Today we come to Revelation chapter 22, right? The last chapter of the book. This story has taken a long time. Sometimes you wonder why it took so long. But we realize just Revelation chapter 21 and 22 are going to show us a, into a realm called eternity. When you prepare for trillions and trillions and trillions of years, to prepare for a few thousand years is nothing. Our God lives in this eternal time frame, all right? And we will too, <laughs> okay? So let's look at this fulfillment in Revelation 21. We've just gone through that. See what Isaiah had prophesied a long time ago. Isaiah 65 verse 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and a people to be a gladness. So we have learned in Revelation 21, this beautiful new heaven and new earth, the old is passed away. It's been taken away in a brand new one, very much featuring the old, but same but different, as I said earlier. You can see the similarity and yet you can see the amazing difference now in john chapter 4 chapter 14 verse 1 to 7 very familiar passage for most of us john 14 and has been preached many many times but let's just look at it again when i used to read it it kind of like i'm saying is this uh literal this is what this is what the lord really meant john chapter 14 verse 1 to verse 7 let me read that let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going? Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All right? So when I hear this preach before in John chapter 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, when I used to hear that, I thought, oh, that's just figurative, you know? I mean, there are all these spirit beings up in the cloud. What would I need a mansion for? I mean, a spirit doesn't really need a house, okay? A uh, house is physical. A mansion is physical. I'm uh, just a floaty being, a floaty spirit, you know? Then now we realize, no, no, it's a new heaven, new earth. Very much the old earth, but new <laughs> all right so we now begin to get a little better idea that our eternity is not some mystical uh, thing that is so weird you know i mean it's not really me i'm just i will go to hell that's basically most christians are just happy they don't go to hell they're not looking forward to this 
place of many mansions, this new earth, so to speak, that, uh, that is described, okay? Now, so let's see again, kind of, kind of big picture now. We begin in Revelation, I'm sorry, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Let's just go back there again. See what's the original purpose that God created man in his own image, all right? Genesis chapter 1, let's go right back. We're going to write the last chapter of the Bible. Let's go back to the first chapter, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Very familiar verses too. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he, create, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right? So original purpose, man was made in God's image to rule God's creation, to have dominion or rule or control of every over God's creation. So man was to rule God's creation in his image, in partnership with God. Alright? So that's exactly what God's plan in Genesis chapter 1. And now in the last chapter of the book, God says, you're going to do exactly that which I told you, except the scope is far bigger infinitely bigger than the world I put you in and the garden I put you in. This is the universe, new heaven and united in Christ. And you are going to rule and reign over this to bring this amazing creation into new and greater uncharted territory. I, I don't know even how, how do you make something so vast even greater. But that's our job because we have eternity to do it right so wow exactly the story comes one full circle right and then we learned last week there is no temple of god in this new creation okay because god's presence will be filling this new heaven and the new earth every square every cubic millimeter of this whole universe will be god's presence so why temple right now we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? The world around us is all messed up. Hopefully we are not that messed up because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, temple of God. But one day the whole universe will be the temple of God. God's presence will be so real at that time, okay? Right now we struggle, we struggle to sense God's presence though He lives in us, okay? Now, we also learn in Revelation that every since the fall of man, Genesis 11, Nimrod started to build Babel, the Tower of Babel. And since then, for history, as long as history goes, men tried to build their empires, to make names for themselves at the expense of others. Right? So basically, the selfish, sinful man decided, you know, when he plucked the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, he decided, you know what's good? Build your own empire. 
You know what's good? Be super number one. Right? That is good. That's his new rule. His knowledge of good is more is better. More powerful is better. Richer is better. Right? So grab. That was his idea of good and evil. And what do we see in Revelation? God will destroy Babylon. Every Babylon will be destroyed. It doesn't matter whether it's a real Babylon or the Tower of Babel or it was uh, different empires, Roman empires, which when John wrote it was the new Babel's Roman Empire. Now we have the US, whatever. Everybody builds selfishly crabs and builds for himself at the expense of everybody else. No more. Right? A new heaven, new earth. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now what's good? To be in the image of God. To do good. To bless others. And in blessing others, all of us will be blessed. Now that's not how man thinks. Okay? So that Christ-like spirit of sacrificially serving others in the process being blessed immeasurably okay so the new jerusalem represents the opposite of babylon exactly the opposite paradigms of uh of babylon babylon's over no more after we may read in revelation okay now what's the purpose of this book the purpose of this book is to motivate people motivate people especially the ones john wrote to who were debating fearful do i bow to say to caesar and say caesar is god forget about god i mean i i i i think i can see caesar lasting for a long time and i better make sure i bow to caesar and get the benefits of it now i mean i'm only 20 years old i've still got 40 years 50 years to live but this tells us you make a choice you want to win now you want to get some benefits now or would you prefer eternity that's what this book's all about right to motivate men to make the right choice make yourself god make something else your god money or power or whatever or make god your god trust it right trust your money or trust him trust yourself or trust him trust somebody or trust him trust your idol or trust him two two pathways okay motivate people to make the right choice and those who made the right choice motivate them right to think eternal this amazing future that we have just described so simply new heaven and a new earth okay now to prepare for this new heaven and new earth that's the purpose of this book so first make sure you don't miss it second make sure you prepare for it i i just checked up google before i i start with uh i gave this message i just checked under wikipedia galaxies how many galaxies are there they say right now the guess is two trillion so how many stars are there out there in the in the universe? Stars. 
right? It's the sun is a star, okay? According to Wikipedia, more than the sand, grains of sand on planet Earth. Oh, that's a lot of sand on planet Earth, okay? <laughs> you go to the beach, you get enough sand in your, your, your sandals or your, your, your shoes. You have to knock it off all the time, you know? Now, there are more stars, galaxies than the sand on planet Earth? And you mean all that is the new, going to be renovated in some way, be part of this ecosystem we're going to live in? Part of our world now, this, that world is very far away. That world is remote to us, right? We, we just live on this tiny little planet Earth, tiny, right? If a star, the sun is like a grain of sand, I don't know what planet is like, maybe a coronavirus, right? That's how tiny we are. Okay? Can you imagine eternity when all those things are part of what we are to reign over? Can you understand why eternity won't be long? <laughs> okay? It's endless things to do, all right? To bring all those things, to harness all those things, perfect things, perfect galaxies, planets, etc. to new heights. Just as God put Adam to bring the Garden of Eden to new heights. My goodness, that's a lot of things to do. Right. Secondly, Earth, as we know it, this tiny little dot in this galaxy called New Heaven and New Earth, it's not wiped out. It's still Earth. It's a new Earth. Just as me, when you see me in heaven, you can say, Hey, PC. Say, how do you know it's me? Oh, of course it's you. But hey, you don't have your glasses. You know, you, you, you don't have your limp anymore. You, you, you used to walk with a limp. You don't have that. But I can tell it's you. You know, all the defects are gone. But the, the characteristics are still there. It's still PC. I'm not some new floaty guy, you know. I'm not like died PC and woke up with somebody else. I'm still PC. The earth is still earth, new earth, the resurrected earth. What does that mean? It means that if you wanted to climb Everest and that was always your dream, don't worry about it. You don't need to write a bucket list like many Christians do as if they are never going to do it if they die. That's dumb. That's not biblical. Everest will still be there. If that was your dream to climb it, spend your time now on earth to bring people to Christ and then you can climb Everest every day if you want, if you want to in the new earth. And it's much better at that time. Anything you wanted to see, right? Any lake, any beautiful site you wanted to see, let me tell you, it'll still be there. Except no pollution, no, you don't have to pay for your air ticket and worry about being bumped off, right? You don't have to pay for hotel fees, you don't have to get worried about getting COVID along the way, all those things. But the attractions that you yearn to see as a Christian, my bucket list, oh, Pastor, I have a bucket list to see before I go, before my legs are weak. Oh, help me, 
Do you ever read Revelation or do you not? Okay? You don't need a bucket list, right? Unless you're planning to go to hell. Then you better, because in hell it's totally dark. And there's no new earth there or whatever earth. It's just a lake of fire. So, please, Christian, get your theology right. Then you will get your life right. It's nothing wrong to take a holiday. It's nothing wrong to take a break. But by bad theology, you think, desperately, I better do this or I'll never see it again. I'll never get a chance again to experience this thing again. Because one day, I will go to heaven be some floaty little spirit there with no opportunity to do anything my me wanted to do. All right? Anything not immoral, you can do in the new earth. Okay? How theology really helps us. But you know, most Christians just waste their life on this earth, okay, because of just simply lousy theology. Okay. Now, so we have let's go into let's go into the book, okay? Let's go into Revelation chapter 22 and let's just tail off our Bibles. The beautiful book in seeing Revelation 22 and verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What do we learn about the river of life? Water is what satisfies our thirst. Right? So always your thirst will always be satisfied, never unsatisfied. Flowing from the throne, this water of life can also be symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, filling us with satisfaction, His presence forever and ever. Verse 2, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruits each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So this river flowed right down the middle street of, middle of the street of the city. In other words, this river of life flowed out from the throne of God where the where God and the Lamb sat, and it filled the city. It was prominently available, right? Everyone could avail of this. It's a huge river flowing out for all. And then it says on either side of the river was a tree of life. Remember Genesis chapter 2? There were two trees in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was told not to eat of it. Okay. There was one other tree, the tree of life. And when Adam ate of the tree, he decided to eat of the tree, disobeying God. And that tree spoke of making a choice. He chose right, his own way. And today men choose to live their own way, which is the wrong way, the selfish way. Way. And that's why the world is has endless problems. Families have endless problems until now. Right? Because of the way we chose. Me first way. Right? 
we see all that in politics, everything, make me first, make me first. When you make yourself first, everybody and you will fight, all right, and everybody will lose in the end, okay? So when he chose that way, then God said, get out of the garden. You will never eat of the tree of life. Because the tree of life signify the moment you eat that, you have eternal life. So he guarded the tree, he chased Adam out. Now we see that tree right back there, much bigger. <laughs> it was on both sides of the river. Don't ask me how a tree was on both sides of the river. I don't know. All right. And it didn't say it just had fruits. It had 12 kinds of fruits. All right. And then it says here, yielding its fruit each month. How does one tree have 12 kinds of fruits? I don't know. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's quite amazing if you have a tree with just lots of mangoes or lots of durians, but different kinds, 12 kinds of fruit, 12 always speaks of God's number, uh, his people and so on, on, yielding its fruit each month. There are 12 months a year also, just for the record. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I'm not quite sure what it means, right? But we as doctors know that a lot of medicine actually a lot of antioxidants, a lot of stuff for our health actually are stacked up, are stored up in leaves. That's why doctors say, eat vegetables, <laughs> eat veg. Your mother tells you since you're young, eat veg. It's been conventional wisdom from goodness knows when, all right? That veg somehow keeps you healthy, right? So the leaves are for the healing of the nations, whatever that means. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship Him. Throne of God speaks He's in authority. He is there, ruling this universe, new heaven, new earth, unified together as one, right? And on the throne means to be worshipped. Okay, so basically we will have righteous rule and Worship God forever. Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. So that we will have a sense of God's presence so, so, so much more than we have now. Okay, now we sense God's presence, but one day we will see his face. Of course, we know God is a spirit, but whatever that means, all right, Bible says in Corinthians, we will see him as he is. <clears throat> And his name will be on our forehead. Another, you know, the six 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 was supposed to be on our forehead. So those belong to the Antichrist, right? Now we belong to God on our foreheads, right? In other words, we are all marked as His, clearly His. And night will be no more. There will need no light of no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Right, so no need for any other light. God is the light, right? And we will reign forever and ever. Wow. Over what? New heaven and new earth. Wow. <laughs> All right, that's a heavy responsibility. If someone asks you, say, okay, one day I'm, your, your, your father owns this massive conglomerate, you know, with thousands of workers. His son one day, you will run this company. My goodness, you will prepare for that, all right? It's a huge privilege. It's a huge responsibility. You will reign over this thing I've just described to you 
called a new heaven and new earth. Verse 6, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. He's simply saying, Trust me. When I say these things, trust me. Some things, son, you can't quite understand. Too big. No need to describe to you now. You know who I am. You know your papa owns his whole company. You know how big papa is. Trust me. Okay? Except our papa is Abba Father, creator of heaven and earth and the new heaven and new earth. He said, trust me. What I said, just trust me. Okay? When I use words like eternal, I use new heaven, new earth. When I say gold, transparent gold, you can't quite figure it, right? Trust me. When you see it, you're going to say, whoa, that's what it means now. Got it now. I got it. You meant it, but I couldn't get it. Now I get it. All I have to do right now is trust you, even if I can't fully grasp you. Right? And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. People always say, this is written 2,000 years ago, coming soon, coming soon. What talking to you? How can that be? You know, my friend, the day you take your last breath, all these words will come already. There's no more, no more gap already. What do you mean by that? You take your last breath, the next breath, Next, you have to see your creator and maker. All right? All that is gone. Gone. The future is in front of you. There. It could be one breath away from you. Whether Jesus comes while you are alive or whether you die anytime, which is a fact. Any of us can die anytime. If you say no. I'm too young. I won't die now. You're a fool. I've worked, seen in pediatric ward. I've seen young kids die. All right. I've seen people in their prime die. I've seen all kinds of people die suddenly. Okay. These things come sooner than you think. All right. Blessed, okay, I, John, verse 8, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. He had been warned once. John had been warned. He went earlier another time. He fell down before the angel and worshipped him. And he does it again. And the angel says, No, worship God. Why is this brought up? Why did John fall? You know how easy it is? How easy it is to worship things besides God? Like yourself? Like money? Like power? Like some hero figure? And for the people who are receiving this letter written by John, like Caesar? Hey, that's the easy way, man. Worship Caesar. Your problems will be over. No, worship God. Trust Him alone. Okay? So, don't think for one minute 
that you are not likely to worship something else. If you're spiritual, you might worship yourself, thinking, oh, how good I am, how spiritual I am. Be careful. Worship God. All right? So for those receiving this letter, it was Caesar. It was primarily Caesar. Verse 10, he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Do you think this prophecy of this book has been sealed up? <laughs> it's been sealed for a long time by many Christians who refuse to read the book, who know nothing about the book, who have never heard it, and many will say, hey, all this is new, man. It's been sealed. It's in the Bible, but it's never been opened. It's been in the Bible. It is seldom preached. It's been sealed. Don't seal, he said, the words of this book. Important, right? Verse 11, let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right, holy still be holy. There are just two ways. It just emphasizes just two ways. Okay? There's no middle way. There's a lot of religions have all kinds of gradations, you know? <clears throat> Purgatory and whatever, I don't know. <clears throat> a lot of, uh, what do you call it, uh, roads and bridges to cross. No, 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 no. Just two ways. Either you worship God, right, or the other way, sin and all these evil things, okay? Mm. Evil doer, the evil, filthy, unrighteous, etc. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of you for what he has done. Again, the word soon, soon, soon. My friends, when? I don't know. Could be tomorrow? I don't know. Okay? Anytime. That's the word. Soon is anytime. I am the Alpha, verse 13, and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You read the beginning in Genesis, the Garden of Eden, this is the end. I have a beginning, I have an end. Right? I started the Garden of Eden, and now my ending is amazing. Everyone loves a happy ending. It's not how you start, it's how you end. Alright? And verse 14, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Wash their robes in the blood of Jesus Christ. Trust that Christ took all your sins on the cross, right? and all his righteousness he gave to you. Trust the greatest transaction, the greatest miracle of all time, executed at the cross, completed at the cross, proven on the day of resurrection, ascension to heaven. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. The only ones who enter this kingdom are those who wash their robes. All the rest will never enter this place, the outside. I, Jesus, verse 16, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things to the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The bright morning star is the 
star early, bright early in the morning that meets you on the way. Christ is called the bright and morning star. He leads you, right? The darkest time of the night is just before dawn. It's so dark, all right, because it's been dark for a long time. But there's a bright and morning star to lead you, bright morning star to lead you on. In the darkness we are in, Jesus is the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The bride and the spirit, the spirit and the bride. The Holy Spirit welcomes you. We as God's people say, come. That's our job. Come. Come. What do you need to come? What's your cost? You just need to be thirsty. That's all. That's all, right? Let the one who is thirsty come. A desire. Right? That's all. And take the water without price. Salvation is free. Anyone that doesn't go in, having heard this message, has made his choice. Right? Because the condition is so simple. Just be thirsty you see i know something is wrong with this life i know something is wrong with my life i know there's something missing thirst and just take it's free christ is free verse 18 i want everyone who hears the words this is actually a gospel message here right this last part I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Be careful not to take anything out from this book. You know, God has put three stamps in the Bible, right? To say, be careful, don't touch don't take anything out of this book let's look at the three steps in the beginning it's found in deuteronomy chapter 4 okay here it says don't you tamper with this word of god okay don't take don't add let's go to deuteronomy 4 okay deuteronomy is part of the torah the first book uh, as far as the jews were concerned deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2 You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. So in, in the beginning of the Bible, God says, don't add to this word. Don't take out of this word. Be careful. You're dealing with God's word. Then in the middle of the Bible, in Psalm 12, you see another one. Here we are told not to do it in Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in the furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. Okay? Middle of the Bible, God says, I will keep this word. Deuteronomy says, you don't tamper with it. Psalm says, I will keep. And then 
we go back to Revelation where we are right now and God says don't you dare take out or add okay so basically God is telling us don't tamper with his word okay how can you tamper with God's word in many ways you can't take a scissors and cut it and and all add some new uh, words the Bible's there more or less right it's there how do you take out an ad right take out is very easy let's say oh it's myth it's not true at all and a lot of preachers today to me be careful don't say everything is myth everything is story everything is just symbolic be careful okay when God describes it as a thousand years six times in one chapter uh, take it seriously when God says he did create the world in six days and the evening and the morning were the first day evening and morning were the second day take it seriously right don't so easily just not important and then don't add things to God's word right don't write new chapters preach it as if it is God's word be careful and then verse 20 let's go back to Revelation chapter 22 where were we now let's see chapter 20 he who testifies to these things says surely i am coming soon amen come lord jesus do you think most christians say that come lord jesus. oh i haven't finished my bucket list <laughs> all right you know it's sad to leave this world with things undone it's sad to leave this world because you haven't finished what you should have done. But if you have been faithful, doing your best, you can say these words, come, Lord Jesus, come. All right? With joy, with confidence. And you know Jesus said, I am coming. I'm waiting for you. You take your last breath. I'm there instantly not soon there instantly okay so when I take my last breath on earth this old earth I think of belief I'm sure I am gonna take my next breath someone waiting for me okay now, this book has ended. Revelation is not an easy book. It's not meant to give us time to argue about God's timetables and who is the Antichrist and who are these seven kings, some words, some were not, and all these things. What do you think is the main goal of this book? So we can argue on the dates? Right? argue on which is the Gog and Magog. Is that 
really what this book is about? Will you spend our time on that? Or will you spend your time preparing yourself for this eternity? And welcoming, leading others, come to this eternity by your life, your testimony, your ministry, your preaching, your whatever. Come, come. Okay? And when you have been faithful doing that, you will say, come, Lord Jesus. You'll look forward and want to put the tears and the sorrow and the pain of this unrighteous, sinful world behind forever. Okay? So I hope that this book, you can say, is the greatest love story you ever read. A God who loved you, plans for you, prepares you, and finally, the bride is prepared, us, prepared for our Creator. Everybody loves that wedding when the bride and the groom come together. And the story says, and they live happily ever after. No fairy tale can say that, honestly. Live happily ever after? Maybe 30 years, 40 years, and there's a lot of sorrow along the way. That's just a fairy tale. Jesus said, I am trustworthy. Trust me. Every fairy tale you read, every love story you read, this is the story of stories, right? This is the beautiful book written by a beautiful, wonderful God who got a bride for his son, right? And he loved his son so much that in the eternity, not one beloved son, but many, many sons in his new heaven and new earth, all bearing the image of his son, who bears the image of the father. Okay? And this is forever as we grow, enjoying and worshipping our God. May this book bless you. May the last book of the Bible bless you most of all.